Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Ah, quack! It's a funny old game, it's getting better by the day. I could be a millionaire by May. My wife has gone, my daughter won't be long. But generally speaking, things are on the up. Maybe I will cry, maybe I will beg <laughs> Maybe she will buy a dress straight off the peg I'm the bit of rough, she always wanted a lay But now she's gone away to stay I'm the lord and master of all I pervade If that was the one question you could read out I need to, I need to know the questions that, that didn't make the cut I, I don't think I can <laughs> But on the up Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening. And as always, thank you so, so, so much for listening. It's always hugely appreciated. This is Chain Wrestling with Mags and Sai. I am Sai the Gimmick Thief. And with me, as always, is the Robocop to my bedtime flop, the Midnight Express to my midnight snack, a podcaster that kind of like robocop himself is also half man half machine you just don't want to see where that microphone comes out of mr max the podfather how are we doing this week sir wow half man half machine it reminded me of a, a family guy joke where uh, they were talking about whether you'd want to sleep with a mermaid and it's it's said that the, the top half of, of the the mermaid is a woman and the bottom half is legs said, what, what would you do if it was switched around and it was top half was fish and bottom <laughs> half was legs? Um, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, <laughs> what wow. would you do? Midnight, midnight flop. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> what would Issues you do? Issues going on in the power household. <laughs> <laughs> it was done purely because it fitted the intro, mate. There's no concerns in that department, <laughs> let me assure you. All right. Uh, what would you do then? Half half fish and that. What what, what would you choose? It, it, it's a quandary because it, you'd have to stare at a fish's face while you were doing the business. But we could turn them over. What do a fish from behind? It's even weirder. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Is well, that weird? What would you grip hold of? Oh yeah. The, so fins, the fins. The, yeah, the fins. Of- They'd be slippy, wouldn't they? Yeah, slimy. Or yeah. the it, if it's the bottom half, it's fish. The, you've only got really the two things to to play with. You can't. What else do you do? Hug, yeah. hug a fish, hug a fish. It's a weird start. This I is a, just... a weird, weird start to an episode of Chain Wrestling. I think I should just press stop and we start again. That was. The... <laughs> <laughs> 
It's li- literally took just five minutes for it to go off the rails, mate. That's got to be yes. some kind of a record, even for us. It is. It is. Oh, there we go. How's your week been then, Bird? What have you been up to? Anything good? Uh, yeah, not too bad. A lot of irons in the fire in terms of uh, content uh, coming up. Um, I want to p- keep my cards to my chest. Uh, those who know... Uh, uh, already know and those who need to know will be finding out very very soon but yeah it's uh, been um, um, a nice busy week yeah good stuff good stuff mate good stuff I trod on a slug today with no shoes on (laughs) 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 I mean the levels there the levels (laughs) poor slug I went outside and uh, Ronnie the dog he he wanted uh, he wanted me to go kick the ball with him and stuff so I went outside and um I stand on the patio a bit and just kick the ball down the garden and he brings it back and he he's, he's an old boy now my dog so I can't take him out properly anymore because his hips are knackered yeah. in the back so we'll run up and down the garden for a little bit until he's had enough and then he'll just take his ball back inside himself um, and then he might want to do it again later in the evening and he tends to be okay with that if I take him over the field now he tends to really struggle in the evenings so he, he sort of comes up to me with his ball um, you know it's sort of partially deflated football so he can grip it and that goes out in the garden but it's like you know it's been raining but it's not wet wet and i'm not i'm in the house today I'm, I'm, I'm not going out anywhere today so i'm literally in a pair of shorts and a rather tatty looking lex luger t-shirt and um i've not got any shoes or socks on or anything like that, and i just pop out and think i'll just stand on the patio kick the ball for the dog like and i trod on this f- oh mate it was horrible because i got no shoes or socks on and it went like it, it almost like popped and stuff came out of it and stuff and that oh, but then and it did it come through the toes yeah oh. mate yeah, and then, and then I when I lifted my foot back up, it was almost like it sucked all the, the the stuff that had come out back in, and like reinflated itself, which was kind of cool. It was almost like this slug was like I don't know the the, the bad guy from Terminator Two, where it kind of like regenerates <laughs> itself, you know. But it was a uh, it was not a nice experience, but I mean, um, there is there is a small saving grace. At least you didn't stand on it with your socks on, because that would have been way worse. Would it? I could have just took the sock off then, though, couldn't I? I mean, you can, but you still the squelch in your sock until you get back to the house. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I went and got, I just got some anti-bat wipes. My, my wife bought these anti-bat wipes that smell like rhubarb. So cool. I used I used some of them. So now my feet smell like rhubarb. It's quite, it's we quite have, nice. We have <laughs> the, the cucumber and aloe vera ones. I thought you didn't like cucumber. I don't, but it's antibacterial wax. Right, I'm not. I'm not eating the wap. So well, no, I, I know you're not eating the wap. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought the smell was horrible to you as well. It is, but I didn't buy him. The wap bought him. You want to go to Morrison's, mate? Get yourself, or is it Lidl's? I don't know where she goes. You get yourself some rhubarb ones, man. I don't. I, I think I'd prefer cucumber over rhubarb. Really? Oh yeah, rhubarb's horrific. We had, when we uh, when we moved to this house, we had a, a massive rhubarb patch in, in in the back garden, and I dug that motherfucker clean out. That got got ripped out. I gave all the rhubarb away and uh, planted a fi- uh, flower bed. Oh man, I love a bit of rhubarb. Oh, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had, to be honest, I haven't had proper rhubarb in Youngs. I got like a a rhubarb vape. That goes in a juice that goes in with vape. That's quite nice. Okay, yeah. And I've got obviously rhubarb anti bat wipes, <laughs> but I'm not a proper rhubarb for ages. I used to love a bit of rhubarb. No, my granddad, it. my granddad passed away quite a few years ago, but he used to make it and bring like bags of it over for our mum when we were kids, and she'd make like loads of stuff of it. Oh, bloody lovely! I'll have to get some. If if there's a 
I mean, it's not. Is it really a, a fruit? I don't think you can call it a fruit because it grows like a potato. But if you have to add twice the weight of something to sh- of sugar in there, it, that to me says it's not edible because <laughs> you have to mask the disgusting taste with so much sugar. So no, I've never been never been a fan of of rhubarb. Um, yeah, it's revolting. That's kind of a kind of a good point, actually. So if it, so would that make it a, a vegetable then? If it grows like a potato, I mean, I think so. I don't, I don't know the actual scientific definition. I'm sure it's something to do with uh, seeds have to be on the inside for it to be a fruit. That's why a tomato is essentially a fruit, but a strawberry is actually a vegetable. Uh, but strawberry is a vegetable, is it? In in the in it's not in terms of it's classed as a fruit, but in the 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 sheer technical aspect of what defines a fruit, because the seeds are on the outside, it's classed as a, a vegetable. I think I'm going to check because I don't <laughs> like to be I don't like to be wrong about things like this. You know me, you have to be be correct. Yeah, um, it's going to irritate me if I don't find out. Well, I've been proved wrong straight away. Um, it says, strawberries are definitely not vegetables. The most accurate way of explaining what a strawberry is, is a seed receptacle, which means the seeds that you see when you're looking at the fruit are actually the fruit. Uh, the the small, the green small pods, uh, which the fruit are, are actually called acane. So it's not technically a vegetable but it's also not it's called a false fruit apparently botanists call the strawberry a false fruit or a pseudo carp so it's a liar it's, it's a, a lying fucking liar yeah deceptive strawberries man motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that people are learning stuff now mate it's an education today so rhubarb now rhubarb is actually a vegetable uh this is uh, rhubarb is actually vegetable. That's this is why it's often cooked down with a ton of sugar and treated like fruit. Um, let me click on the link, and this is from National De- Geographic, so they must be telling the truth. Um, as re- as we have reported, many fruits and vegetables have swapped categories for political reasons, but rhubarb has has gone under the radar. If you ever taste it outside of a pie, you will know that describing rhubarb as astringent is an understatement. This is brilliant. He's slagging rhubarb off just as much as I have. Um, <laughs> uh, but essentially, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a vegetable because of, of the way it grows. Yeah. Well, there we go. Look at that. You learn something every day, Max. Every day is a school day, pal. And apparently it's, it's big in Alaska. What, rhubarb? Yeah. Isn't Alaska like loads of ice and shit? Yeah, it's it's big in Alaska because rhubarb is a cold weather plant and it will grow back every year uh, for a, a decade or so if you if you cultivate it properly. Oh, okay. Well, good luck to the Alaskans then. I suppose. <laughs> um, <laughs> I and if also, if you... <laughs> the leaves are poisonous, apparently. Yeah. As well. I wonder if that means if you get like an Alaskan rhubarb pie, it's better than rhubarb pies from elsewhere. If like if like the Alaskan rhubarb is like a seal of quality or something. The Yorkshire rhubarb triangle will be spinning in its grave if it heard you say that. Is that a big thing in Yorkshire, is it? Have you never heard of the rhubarb triangle? No. Oh wow, Dan Griffin will be he'll be livid at you. Uh yeah, there's three Yorkshire towns that, that consist of what the rhubarb triangle is. I think it's Wakefield, 
uh, Rothwell and Morley, I think. They're like the the, the three um, towns that, that consist of the, the rhubarb triangle. I think it's just where rhubarb was grown there as a, as a big industry. Yeah, okay. Well, perhaps that's, you know, the big battle in the rhubarb industry then, potentially. Yorkshire versus Alaska, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like pe- Pepsi versus Cola or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yorkshire rhubarb versus Alaska rhubarb. I'll have to try do a taste test on the show, Max, and see which is best. Yeah, we will. I mean, no, we won't. Absolutely, no. we fucking will not. <laughs> Uh, before we get on to our non-wrestling topic today which is something i'm really looking forward to we've had some we've had some great stuff from everyone out there listening um over the last day or so really looking forward to doing this um we have something that i suppose needs to be touched upon quite quickly uh we've got a pimple dick alert mags oh pimple dick alert oh a teeny weeny i i suspected that this would arise uh this week but go on yes we have a pimple dick alert i'm afraid and it's with someone that is uh, notorious for being a bit of a knob scrape um but uh, normally i turn a blind eye to this person because he's just a bit of a pillock but on this occasion i feel i needed to sort of bring this up and just sort of well i suppose run it by you mags as well to see am i am i reacting um off myself about this the person in question is party marty Ginetti. Uh, he is quite sort of um quite quite a regular on facebook i guess he's constantly posting statuses about various different topics whether it's um murdering someone and throwing them in a canal or whatever it was or <laughs> wanting to sleep with his own daughter quite, quite colorful uh you know experiences in marty's life he's certainly controversial he is he is um on this occasion i'm not 100 percent sure where to go with this uh, because i think there's several things in just three paragraphs i mean i must, it must come some kind of record of how many people you can offend with a short amount of passage um i'll just read out the status and um, first of all i want to express that uh, mr Ginetti is going through a few things at the moment himself with is, you know personal issues plus his brother is apparently very ill and he's he's quite emotionally uh struggling with that one so on that point i genuinely mean this hand on heart i hope things do pick up for the guy and i hope everything's okay however that doesn't mean this kind of behavior is okay yeah um mr Ginetti starts Y'all, I'm going to read this as he's typed it, so bear with me if I get any pronunciation. <laughs> I, I okay. suspect a, a very broad Alabama-style accent is going to come from uh, from Sire on this one. Mm, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Y'all wonder why I'm the crazy one, written in capitals. Perhaps I should have shouted that bit. That means people shout. <laughs> um, y'all... <Can> imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all wonder why I'm the crazy one with how I live my life. I'm struggling right now with a real life issue, my brother's health. And again, you know, hope everything goes well for for Mr. Genetti and his brother there. I'm in a store today only concerned about my bruh and asked this thing. And then in brackets, we have whom was stocking the shelves there. Uh, close brackets mom where can i find the cat snacks omg you'd thought i asked her how many dicks did she eat today she looked (laughs) she looked at me in hate 
Um, uh, obviously, Mr. Jetty's, you know, very, very good at reading people's emotions at first glance. She looked at me in hate and said, what did you just say to me? Did you just call me mom? And very confused said, sorry, was I wrong? It said, you don't talk to me in gender. Okay, I ask all y'all reading this. WTF, oh, what the fuck was I supposed to say? And then we have little speech quotations. Hey, fat fuck with fat tits laying over yo fat belly and no name tag. Where's the douchebag section? Oh, never mind, you're it. Mm, sick burn there, Marty. Which isn't exactly what I said, but real close. Fuck this world, it's so weird now. Now, I've got a few issues with this, okay? One, obviously Mr. Genesee's in a bit of a dark place. And again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I hope things do turn around, you don't wish that sort of thing upon anybody. However, in these sentences here, he has... Basically, sort of fat-shamed someone, straight away. Um, called them a douchebag. Correct. Um, made a comment calling this person it, which is, I, I think, in the present day, with how um, there's various different uh, situations with gender, and um, I suppose, I don't know the correct term, how, how, how these people, um, how different genders and so on, wish to be referred to as, whether it's he, him, they, uh, and so on. Um I don't think any of them asked to be referred to by it. And I think that's quite disgusting. It's strange because it is literally just two-letter word, normally meaning nothing. Uh, And this is, I find, quite offensive. Um, And he also says this thing, referring to this this, this person. Um, I think this is downright disgusting. And I think that Mr. Gennetti, who regularly, if you see his Facebook posts or have any interactions uh, or, or see any interactions with him, constantly bangs on about how he and it is the standard go-to i can't be racist i have black friends um is saint genetti often says i can't be racist i have black wifeys he says quite often it was just a term for ladies he goes and visits in different times um and he also points out that he can't be homophobic he has gay friends and so on this literally here is the bad sides to everything about that he comes out with such derogatory and horrific wording for this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's completely unnecessary. This person is trying to do their job. And I've worked in a supermarket stacking shelves. It's not fun, but you need to earn, you need to earn your money one way or another. Of course you do. And this guy has come in. Um, I, I, I suppose the, the person working there has reacted maybe a bit bluntly. I understand that. But Jeanette's reaction, calling them these different names, uh, fat, F with fat tits laying there over yo fat belly and so it's just disgusting behavior and anyone especially a, a, a fully grown man a, 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 well adult of any description behaving this way towards another human being whether it's face to face or online or even just in a generic status is exactly what is wrong with so much of social media nowadays and I'll, I'll, I'll be blunt here Mr. Genetti Nobody wants to hear these thoughts that run through your mind. You've obviously got issues. Look after yourself. Get yourself sorted. But don't be such a goddamn pimple dick online to where people are reading your statuses and it genuinely turns my stomach with some of the terms and words you've used there. It's disgusting. Grow the fuck up, Marty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much more growing he's going to do. Um, I think he's, what, in his 
if he's not in his late fifties, he's certainly in his early sixties. Um, yeah, it's it's yet another um, social faux pas from the the once rocker. Oh, I, I just, I mean, you sometimes you just you can't help people, and I think Marty Mabby in, in that kind of place where you just can't help him. Um, yeah, I, I can kind of understand um, the, him using the word mom. Uh, that to me, I've I, I use it a lot on Twitter, uh, mainly out of respect rather than um, than anything. But if anybody has, was ever uh, offended or asked me to to not refer to them as that, it's a case of absolutely I apologize and move on with your day. The fact that he's took. Uh, took so much offence from her being uh, asked from her asking not to be referred um, to as a gender mm-hmm. that he's gone home or, or gone wherever and and still tapped this out that it affected him so much that he went and tapped this horrific verbiage this 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 trap about somebody who was asking him not to refer to him as a gender. I don't understand why it would be such a big issue that you would have to go onto your social media and and essentially try and out this person as being um, as being a, a, a douchebag. It's horrific behaviour from a grown ass adult who has grown ass adult kids. Yeah, I just don't understand the guy's mentality. He's clearly uh, still. Um, in a dark, dark place, uh, the same dark place that he was uh, months ago when he was uh, telling people that he, he essentially murdered somebody, the same dark place he was a couple of years ago when he was uh, uh, asking if he if it was right for him to fraternise with his uh, with his stepdaughter. Uh, yeah, um, this is the. This is the dark side of wrestling for me. Um, it's clear that wrestling has affected him deeply, uh, and I think he definitely needs some sort of help. If you're making this kind of outburst because somebody asked you not to refer to him as mom, I think you've got you've got real severe problems. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it, to me, a big issue is that it's always he's the victim in the situation as well mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. It's always oh well, I'm you know somebody called me racist. How dare they? Um, I've got black friends and it's like, well, then you look at what he's actually typed and it's like, you're yeah. using terms that are not acceptable, not in this instance, but in other instances as well. Basically just a, a great big pimple dick. Get yeah, yourself it's... sorted out, Marty. It's just, I mean, I, I've got, I've got kids, Magsy, you've got kids. They, I talk about Shawn Michaels as being one of my favorite wrestlers. You know, what if I show them a, a, a rockers match or I show <laughs> them Marty versus Shawn and the history of that. And then they go online and look the guy up and they read this sort of thing. It's just disgusting behaviour. Grow the fuck up, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, all these people coming out and saying uh, that Marty uh, needs help and he's, he's got issues. For me, it's a case of if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Uh, and I think Marty is is definitely the one with the issues, not everybody who, uh, who he talks about online. Yeah. Yeah, and on that front, even though this is a, a full-on pimple dick alert for numerous reasons, but this post is one that set me off, and I keep saying, grow the fuck up, Marty. 
I hope the guy does get the help he needs because he's obviously, you know, <laughs> something's yeah. not right. We don't want this to be another, uh, you know, you wake up one day, open Twitter, and there's the headline, you know, such and such, Stein passed away somewhere. And we don't, yeah. Of course we don't wish that. But at the same time, if you're in a dark place and you've got your own misery going on, don't inflict it on Eris Marty Genetti. There's no need. Grow the fuck up, you pimple dick bastard. Pimple dick alert! Oh, a teeny weeny. There we go, Magsy. There we go. Um, shall we get on to the lighter side of the internet? The lighter side of wrestling Twitter. Our good friends, our listeners, Mags. Let's, let's do it. Okie doke. Um, this week we decided, Magsy and I, that it would be quite fun to do a kind of Q&A, ask us anything sort of show um, based mainly on the fact that we always give you a topic to give answers to. Well, mm-hmm. why not? It could be it could be a bit of a giggle. Um, interesting enough, Mags, just whilst we're on the topic of um, Q&A sessions, episodes, shows, ask us anything sort of idea. A uh, little history lesson for you. Uh, this this originated initially in Bristol in early 2020. A um, little podcasting history lesson for everyone there, just so you're okay. aware. Well, um, actually, I will counter that. It, the, the first I heard of uh, listeners sending in questions for a podcast to, uh, to answer was actually a view from the top rope, and they've been doing it for over uh two and almost 200 episodes now so uh bang bang uh, okay. you have stolen a gimmick that we have then subsequently stolen off you in that case i apologize to view from the top rope for swiping their gimmick um, <laughs> <laughs> it's cyclical it's wrestling everybody yeah, nothing's steals ever everybody. new yeah, nothing's exactly. ever new um i think you'll find i think it was the christmas cracker i recorded with matt willis um he asked about where the idea of chain wrestling came from um sort of saying that maybe i took the idea very loosely he wasn't pointing the finger or blaming us in any way shape or form for anything but he asked the question do i sort of loosely take the idea from something that he used to do and i said no 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 i definitely didn't steal it from there but i'll tell you exactly where i stole it from and it was somewhere else. So, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's not to say that we are going head to head against the the likes of uh, unbooking the territory or um, uh, bang bang. We absolutely love those shows. Uh, they they're two of our favourite favourite podcasts, and um, we are merely keeping the seat warm for when they decide to come back off excursion. Exactly, mate. Exactly. <laughs> bang bang was part of my weekly. Monday night, uh, Tuesday morning. I'd, I'd, we'd record this on a Monday, as we are today. I'd, I'd play it back, edit it, and so on, get it all done. Then I would listen to uh, Bang Bang. And then I would normally listen to another show called Monday Night Chores, which I'm quite into. Now, obviously, a change in attitude is added to the list. UTT is added to the list. Um, that was kind of like my part of my weekly routine. So it's a shame that I'm not getting that at the moment. I look forward to uh, Andy and Steve returning. No doubt cussing me out for talking about him on here. And, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, 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 it's hugely missed. I can't wait to hear back from the guys. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so we basically just asked for any questions at all, any topic, anything, whatever you want to speak about. Um, some are really good questions and really interesting. Some are just bloody ridiculous. <laughs> but that's what makes our show great, Magsy, I think. Of course uh, it is. I will start off by saying that I had 
a message from my good buddy Dave Ari, as I refer to him, of Kilt and Pooing Intent fame. He said, I've got some questions for you. And let me just very quickly run through them now. Um, nope, 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 nope. Okay. Um, can a crab wank? <laughs> um, if that was the one question you could read out, I need to I need to know the questions that, that didn't make the cut. I I don't think I can. <laughs> you can you can send me those in private. I will. I will. There's some <laughs> Dave, I love you a bit. You're one of my best friends, but I can't read this out on something we're recording for a podcast, mate. Well, I mean <laughs> let, let's at least answer it. Can a crab wank? Um very carefully. I don't think do, do crabs have parts. Do, do, not, do animals wank at all though? That's the thing. Well, I mean, I know that monkeys uh, are the only animals apart from humans who masturbate for for pleasure. Why would you know that? I, 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 it was on a David Attenborough show. I'm sure it was a David Attenborough show. Oh, okay. You've not just Googled it. <laughs> Curious what he did. <laughs> Wank, wanky monkeys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, don't, I think crabs don't ha- actually have, like, genitalia. I think they have, they line up, like, holes on the body, I think, for the for the sperm to fertilise the egg. I think. They line up um, holes. Yeah, kind of like, a, a lot of, like, sea creatures, they don't have, like penises and vaginas, they have like holes that that open up and the 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 male and female line up. Okay. See, so informative this show. I'm learning so much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if Jake Masley never stops for whatever reason, I'm still going to ring you on Skype once a week just so I can yeah, learn just, <laughs> just for just for uh, lessons with Sa. Exactly. That's going to be the chain wrestling sad sad piece. Lessons That's with Sa. Yeah. Um, From Twitter, then uh, (laughs) at Millwall Chris One. If you were a contestant on Mastermind, what would your non-wrestling specialist subject be? Oh, interesting. Um, I'm I'm actually struggling because most of my topic is usually wrestling. I suppose it'd have to be football because that's the other main kind of like interest I have so mm. the, the 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 history of Burnley FC see we went on Ricky and Clive didn't we the pair of us a while mm. back um, and did a, a sort of Ricky and Clive quiz um, love the Ricky and Clive show hope it does return very very soon we both yep. went on there magazine didn't we did a quiz and we had to give a specialist subject there and I chose um, Manchester United in the 90s mm-hmm um, and did okay, I guess. But I don't. Again, it was the same scenario there. Being put on the spot, if, if wrestling is took away, it'd be like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I suppose uh, Iron Maiden or Motorhead. I know quite a bit about those subjects. I guess. Um, maybe but for some... that quiz, did I pick Phoenix Dart? No, the RT crowd. I picked the RT crowd. Yeah. So yeah, that because I actually kicked ass at that. So yeah. I would specialize with the RT crowd. Did you kick ass at that? Yeah. Didn't, didn't all did. three of us do really shit? No, we didn't. We did. I won. 
Yeah, you won. won. Yeah, you won the quiz, but all so three of us were crap. I'm the best. You're the you're the best of the worst, is what it was. <laughs> I think, I, was it like thirty points? None of us actually like cleared seventeen or something. Yeah, it, we are poor. We're we're old though. That's what it is. We're middle aged men. Yeah, with very poor memories. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. Um, Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin twenty one. Um, would you rather fight one hundred duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? It. I've, I mean, I've I've seen this question a lot, um, and for me, it's it's the the same. It would have to be the hundred uh, duck sized horses because you can just volley them and like boot them out of the way. But if you had one giant duck the size of a horse, that's going to kick your ass. It's going to peck your head off. I'm the other way, mate. I think if there's a hundred of them, a hundred of these little fuckers, right, they could be coming from all directions. It doesn't matter, mate. You can only punch stuff that's in front of you. You could have, like, another 20 of them jump on your back, and as soon as you hit the floor, you're done, aren't you? I mean, that's the risk, but if if a horse-sized duck flaps its wing at you, it, it, that's essentially going to break your neck. Yeah, true. Or if they've got masses the... of movement in their wings, have they? It's not like they can... Okay, then if it goes for the peck, like, whang, it's going to... Like what? It's like, quack. <laughs> that sounded like a, a duck who's got had a, like, who smokes 20 a day. <laughs> <laughs> but if it like, went, whang, that sounded like a cat who smokes 20 a day. <laughs> but if it attacked you... It would it be able to pet your arm off. So, mm. I mean, you look at the size of a horse, you wouldn't want to take on a horse. Now, imagine a duck that size f- potentially flying at you. No, I think that I think I'd rather risk my chances of just booting the living shit out of uh, some uh, some duck sized horses. Oh, I didn't even think about the flying side of things. I'm thinking about them all just on the floor coming at me. Like, I didn't even think about flying. Mm. Yeah, but the, the duck-sized horses can't fly because the horses just really small. Oh yeah, oh yeah, but, horses don't fly. Yeah, well, it's one particular style of horse does, uh, but it's not real. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay, I don't think reality is is an issue with this question. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Uh, I but think yeah, gonna... I, I would go with. Booting the living piss out of a hundred duck-sized horses. No, I think I agree. Now, now you've pointed out the whole flying thing as well. I don't like heights, man. If you imagine a massive like, duck, <laughs> I mean, it could essentially grip you with its like with its flippers. What are they called? The, the the feet and like take you fly off with you. Yeah, that's what I was just saying. Like, I don't like heights. Imagine getting picked up by a massive duck. Yeah, exactly. Sod that. And um, how much bread would you need to be able to feed it? No, but you don't want, you're not feeding it, you're fighting it, you're not looking after it, you're not taking yeah, but, the fucking giant duck out for dinner. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're having a no, But you might want to like, um, kind of bring it to you and thinking, oh, he's, he's all right, him, and then like sneak up and try and grab the duck by the neck and. Yeah, and then you can make a shit ton of Chinese, can you? <laughs> Like, like a load of Chinese, you know. <laughs> I mean, you could with the horses, to be fair. They, I mean, they, they're yeah. not particularly fussy. No, fair enough. Fair More enough. Korean, probably, actually. Yeah, all, think... all Findus, 
Finn We're getting quite, ten... quite close to a line. I don't want us to cross here, Mags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can be as rude as you like with me. <laughs> uh, Dan continues. Would you rather have dicks for fingers or bollocks for toes? Now, I've given this a lot of thought since we got this. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> and I think, as bad as it would be, I think I would rather have bollocks for toes. Because imagine walking around just with like loads of willies on your hand all the time. Do you know what I mean? And if you've if you got di- if you got bollocks for toes, you could get big enough boots to protect them without hurting your, your, your new feet nuts. Do you know what I mean? Okay, but then I will counter that. You're walking, essentially, on your bollocks. Every step would be you putting your weight on your own bollocks. No, that's what I mean, though. I'd have to have some sort of special shoes made. You know, and I bet you probably get it are on the Are you going to walk well, because, for the rest know. of your life on the, the the heels of your feet? Because when you walk, you bend your toes to, to move. And every step, you're going to be putting pressure on on the the, the two veg, essentially. Okay. But then, you know, playing devil's advocate, looking at the other side of things, can you imagine that going to a business meeting and then somebody puts their hand out to shake your hand and you're just wangling five dicks at it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not a good look, is it? You're definitely not getting that job, you know? <laughs> I, I, but you can wear gloves. Yeah, that's Dick fine. gloves. Dick gloves. <laughs> oh, I don't know. And I'm if it's a, there would be an issue is if, what if they started going stiff, it like having cramp, wouldn't it? Yeah, what if they started going a bit more than that and started going off? <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone asks, someone asks you for directions. Like fireworks. <laughs> yeah, someone asks you for directions, and you sort of point, go left, and it just goes off. That'd be no good. No, I, yeah, I don't know, man. That's too difficult. I can't answer that. I would I, reluctantly. I mean, none is would be the perfect answer, but I would not want to walk on my own nuts every, <laughs> every single day. So I'm gonna have to go with the dick fingers. No, I think I think you're right. You, at least you can you can wear like. Um, what are they called? Marigolds, couldn't you? Like the the, the washing up gloves. <laughs> you you know? Oh, just it... the doctor ones, you know, like the oh, the latex jobs. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. You go. Ah, okay. See, what seemed like a complex issue has now been resolved. <laughs> <laughs> Dan bringing the pertinent questions to chain wrestling. Exactly. Uh, he continues here. Uh, if you could go for a pint with a wrestler, who would it be? Hmm. <sighs> I mean, I mean, it would be someone who you'd want to like just sit and listen to stories from. So people who've been, who've been excited. Um, I don't think I particularly want to go for maybe my favourite wrestlers because I'd want to go for who had amazing stories. Um, mm. So it'd probably be somebody like Owen Hart. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. The problem is, though, Owen Hart, he's famous for like being a real good ribber and stuff, isn't he? You, yeah. You, you you get stitched up. You'd like, you go to the toilet, come back, drink half your pint, and he'd then show you a picture of him dangling his balls in it or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, I mean, I, I fully expect him to not even pay for the pint because there's, uh, there's stories of, of how famously frugal he was uh, with spending money. So I'd definitely be uh, funding his now on, on the lash. But it'd be worth it for those stories, surely. Yeah. For me, it would be a touch more old school, I think. I'd probably go with... Well, Ric Flair would be the obvious one for me because you'd get great stories 
and you know you're having a bit of a party. Well, Barry Windham would be the other because he's notorious for being able to just drink all night long and, and so on. So that would be a good one as well. Because you're bound to get some great stories from Barry Windham. So that'd be the oh, two for me, I think. Definitely. And, and you could test yourself to see if you could out-drink the, the infamous Barry Windham. Yeah. Ah, so all of a sudden, it's a contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan Griffin's uh, podcasting partner, UTT Rob, he says, if they were both in their prime, who would win in a bar fight? Former amateur wrestler Cody Rhodes or former amateur boxer Dennis Waterman? Okay, so Dennis Waterman, obviously from that hit TV show, Manda, uh, Cody Rhodes, the the three-star wonder that he is still living in his daddy's shadow, um, I think Dennis Waterman would would spin the jaw of Cody Rhodes. I think with it being, he's it, it, said here, Rob, very clearly, bar fight. Obviously, you need to get down on the deck for the amateur wrestling to be an issue, don't you? So, mm-hmm. I, I I would say Waterman all day long now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tolly, at Rain Counter on Twitter. Uh, also, very quickly, fantastic to see... I know you listen, Tolly. Fantastic to see you back on Radio Techers. Well, back podcast, or back involved very briefly with your appearance on Radio Techers the other day. Um, I popped in, had a little watch. Just great hearing your voice again, my friend. And it's uh, excellent to see you back. You know, with It's a shame you had to do something with Magsy. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> but it's still, it's still nice to, to see you back, mate, you know? It was it honestly it was amazing to to have him back. Uh, I've I've missed the the little cherub. Uh, hopefully he'll be back on a more regular basis pretty soon. Well, we have been talking about an episode of SJP very soon being recorded that obviously you were going to be part of as well, Mags, to continue in our um, ultimate series. We did the Ultimate Raw Rumble with Tolly a while back. Another one of those, and obviously I'll speak to you about it off air, and it'll hopefully be done in the next sometime in the next few weeks. But Tolly's actually come to us with with the subject matter and the ideas as well, so really excited about that. Always getting the taste for it again. I hope so, mate. I hope so. Um, he says best Commodore sixty four game. Okay, so um, around the time of the Commodore sixty four, I was actually an, an Amstrad kid. Uh, but most games that came out on the Amstrad also came out on, on the Commodore and, and the Spectrum. Um, there's quite a few good games from around that era, I'm not going to lie, but one that really stands out to me is a game called uh, Head Over Heels. I don't um, know that. No, so basically it was like an asymmetric um, um, kind of platformer. You you essentially controlled two characters on on the same game. One was like um, the bottom half of a character. It was like um, they were both like dogs almost, uh, but one had really big feet and he could run fast, and then the other one uh, had um, boxing gloves as for for hands, and he could uh, he could attack enemies and and he he could uh, jump higher. So you essentially work these these guys through like different rooms and different puzzles, and eventually you got them both in the same room, and one could jump on the top of the other one. So they were essentially like stood on stood on each other, and you could use all the skills combined. Uh, that was a, a real it, that game had me puzzled for for months completing that so yeah go with that head over heels see i didn't have a commodore 64 i had a zx spectrum 
um, the, the old 48k jobby with the rubber keys for a while, and then I got my uncle's one, which is like the more plastic one, sort of that, sort of slightly upgraded one, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I remember this game being on the Commodore and the Amstrad because when you buy the cassettes, that's right, kids. The games yep. used to be on cassette tape. Um, ask your mum and dad what a cassette tape is if you're confused. <laughs> um, <laughs> All the front covers would look the same, wouldn't they, from m- many of these games? Mm. But then the computers were color coded, so you'd have like a yellow strip across the top with ZX Spectrum written in it. I think mm-hmm. Amstrad was was Amstrad orange, Magsy, Is that right? Uh, I believe so. Yep. Yeah, and then the Commodore would be whatever color that was. It and I remember, green. yeah, okay. And I remember this game um, called Jet Set Willy having, yep. um, that. yeah, the different things. And you're a tiny little stick man, and you're walking around this mansion. And the theme is that basically you've you've had this big party and your your house is covered in rubbish and you've got to basically find these little flashing dots on the screen, which symbolize being the rubbish. You walk into it, it disappears. You collect all the rubbish. You're allowed to go get into bed at the end of the night by the maid. Now, if you go up to your bed before you've collected all the rubbish, the maid is stood there and won't let you pass. And if you walk into her, you lose a life. So you've got to fix all these little puzzles and avoid all these little weird floaty things and gather all the rubbish up. I spent years of my life playing that game mags determined yeah. to be to, to finish it because it was such a it was literally you had left and right and jump that was it yeah. and it was so so good and i spent years and years and years playing this game and i found out about three four years ago that you couldn't complete it every time you walked <laughs> off every time you walked off a screen the rubbish automatically came back to it so you were constantly playing on a loop uh, i felt like i'd had part of my childhood stolen from me that is bad. That's a rip-off. Mm, so bad. But I spent hours of fun, but disappointment now as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was kind of like a game called Manic Manor. Kind of longer, yeah, it a was similar vein. Um, Jet Set Willy was... Uh, my uncle will know this because he was the one who gave me the games and that. But Jet Set Willy was Manic Minor 2. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, good, good memory. What a great question, Paul. Brilliant stuff. I love that. Um, Danny at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter. And this one isn't going to take long for me because I can just answer it so quickly. You're stuck in a broken lift for 19 hours with Jedward and Matt Hancock. 18 hours in, you miraculously find a gun, but it only has two bullets inside. Who walks out of that lift alive? Me and Jedward, because I'm shooting Hancock twice because he's a fucking prick. I haven't seen my mum and dad properly for yonks, and he's doing what he's doing. Fuck off, mate. He's getting shot twice in the face, and me and Jedward are going for a pint. Um, that is brilliant. I love that that answer. I went for a different a different take. Uh, first of all, I agree with you. Matt, Matt Hancock is definitely eating a bullet, uh, which would leave one bullet for for either me or Jedward. Uh, but the thing that you need to realise about Jedward is they're a pair of fucking idiots and they share a brain cell. So you just <laughs> shoot the one who is talking and the other one withers away and dies with him. So two bullets is adequate enough for me to bang, bang, both of them down and me whistle away as I go for a pant down the pub without fear of having to socially distance from anyone because Matt Hancock is a wanker. People, alert! Oh, a teeny weenie. Yes, there we go. Um, Handy T1TF on Twitter. Our good friend from the States. 
Uh, and this is another brilliant question. If you could party with one band, who would you pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I saw that one of the an- someone answered Queen, which is a, a, a good shout. Uh, but for me, I think it'd be, it, it would have to be the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah, with uh, Jagger and Richards, um, just seeing how they they burn the candle at both ends. Uh, I think that'd be cool. Yes, it's difficult for me because I just I don't know. I suppose I suppose if we're talking alive or dead here, I suppose I'd have to go with Motorhead with Lemmy from Motorhead because he is you know one of my all time favourites, and also he's a drinker. A lot of the other bands I'm into, um, that is more of a drug culture. It's like Motley yeah. Crue and Guns N' Roses, Poison. All these, all these bands. They're, they're more of a a drug culture, and I, I, that's not my bag, man. That's not my that's not my thing. So mm-hmm. I'd rather go with a band that would mean I could have a proper session on the drinks with them, and and that would be Lemmy uh, and Motorhead, um, Iron Maiden as well. More of a beer band than a drug band. I suppose that's where my mind would sort of fall. Who could I drink with as opposed to who would want me to do other things that ain't really my cup of tea anymore? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, that's why I stayed away from the likes of Coldplay because uh, I don't want to spend my nights drinking like chamomile tea and eat, having kale smoothies. Uh, he's on the list, Max. Did I tell you that? Is it Chris Martin? He's on, he's on the list. He's on the list with Celine Dion, John Bon Jovi. And all that. But I told you about the other week that if I ever met him, I'd give him a slap because I just can't stand in the pretentious <laughs> bastard. You know? <laughs> He's on the slap list. He is indeed, mate. He is indeed. Um, on Facebook, we had somebody message us. Um, Josh DeBoard, who is one of the trio from the amazing regularly scheduled hostilities wrestling show. It's available Thursday evenings. Um, the audio is available any time after the show airs, but the live stream is available Thursday evenings. They kind of do, I suppose, what we don't do with regards to looking at wrestling. They look very much at the modern product. You have Josh, Ben, and Yvonne, and the three of them discuss the modern product and so on. I've been a guest on there a couple of times uh, a while back, and three brilliant people, three lovely people to talk to. I really want to say, if you get a chance, check out regularly scheduled hostilities uh, rsh um it's it's just a great laugh listening to people talk about the modern product and i find out more about the modern product from listening to them than i actually do watching it myself because i can't bear to sit through monday night raw so they for me for me they provide a service (laughs) yeah i I would rather listen to three hours of podcasts and get different people's views on wrestling than sit through a three-hour raw yeah yeah, and Josh, Ben, and Yvonne—they put a lot of effort into into their show. So yeah, I really advise everyone just go and check it out um, and uh, see it from there. Josh says, considering they are both health hazards, I think he's saying this very much tongue in cheek. Considering they are both health hazards, would you rather take a chop from Walter or wrestle a lady from AEW? It would have for me, and it's it's gonna sound counterintuitive because it's probably the most dangerous one. But I'd rather take the chop from Volta because then you can say you've been chopped by Volta. I mean, is there anybody in the next twenty years or so 
going to be proud of the fact that they've wrestled a lady from AEW. When you could you could tell many a stories and get um, many a podcast um, interview out of yeah, I once got chopped by Walter. So yeah, that's what I, I suppose. I suppose, yeah, I, I, and that makes complete sense. But the fact that uh, Ty Conti is an AW and I love her, Mags. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Um, I, I think I, I'd be just quite happy with her twisting me all up and making me tap out and stuff. I'd go for that. <laughs> Fair play. Steve <laughs> um, O at Total Steve O on Twitter. Uh, he has a few here for us. Um, do we have a particular Simpsons scene that cracks us up? He says for him, there's thousands, but one that pops into his mind is when Skinner proposes to Patty. He says, that's really funny. Um, I, I, I struggle to sort of pinpoint one because I've not watched the Simpsons in a long time, but it used to be on like six o'clock, I guess most nights, whether it was BBC two or sky one or wherever it was. So when I was working a certain job, it would tend to be what was on the telly when I was eating dinner with the kids. And I used to always laugh at it and I've always really enjoyed it. But pinpointing one particular moment is quite tricky for me. What, what about you, Mags? Okay. So, um, uh, one that, I, that always made me giggle was, uh, when Homer was, Claiming he was smart, and he did a little song like "I am so smart, I am so smart." S M R T. Oops, I mean S M A R T. And whilst he's doing it, <laughs> he's uh, he's burning his his curtains down. So that one always tickled me. Uh, the invention scene where he thinks he's invented uh, a mechanical hammer, um, a, a chair that doesn't fall over, and the best part, the makeup shotgun. And he uh, he shoots Marge in the face with a shotgun and makes her look like a make her look like a lady of the night. Um, that always tickled me. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like you. Know, I've got I've got all the early scenes on all the early uh, Simpsons episodes on DVD as well. I haven't watched them in a long, long time. The newer stuff doesn't particularly appeal to me. I think it uh, kind of dropped off. Uh, probably. About ten years ago, but uh, yeah, it, they're the ones that really stand out to me. Though SMRT, one of my favorites, and there's always the classic one where uh, uh, the granddad Abe is going into the into the the brothel, and he sees that Bart works there. So oh, then he yeah. like takes his hat off, puts <laughs> it on the stand, sees Bart, turns around in a circle, gets his hat, and goes straight back out the door. That one's a yeah. good one. Yeah, that's excellent. There's so many great moments from I it, mean, I suppose, isn't there? I've, I've even thought of another one. When Homer goes to clown college and he's meant to wear baggy pants and end up being like the perfect fit for him, and he's like, these are the most comfortable pants I have ever worn. Uh, then when he's trying to ride the little clown bicycle and he's got to do the loop-the-loop, but instead his pants get trapped in the in the, the gears of the back and they pull down, That's that's pretty funny. Yeah, when he yeah. when he goes to the top of the Empire State's building, uh, and he's um, he's drunk too many cans of. Uh, oh no, he, he wants a drink, and he's, he's the choice is either Mountain Dew or crab juice, and he's like, "Oh my god, that's disgusting! I'll have a crab juice." Uh, and he drinks about <laughs> he drinks about a hundred cans of these uh, crab juices because he's waiting for his car. His car got stolen, I think. And it got uh it was in the middle of where the two towers are, like tower 
one tower square or whatever it is and it's got one of those kind of like boots on so it can't be moved and he has to wait for the uh the parking attendant but he needs a piss and the toilets are at the top of the towers so he goes up one tower that toilet is is closed, so he has to come down and go up the other tower. And by the time he gets there, the parking attendant's been and gone, uh, and all because he drunk a hundred cans of crab juice. <laughs> I think Homer is one of the greatest TV characters ever. I think it's just that so many great moments that make you laugh. You know, just absolutely brilliant stuff. <laughs> Another one, and this will appeal as well when he gets his beer trapped on the electric wires. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he keeps trying to touch him and keeps getting electric shocked. And he's there now nah, still trying to do exactly the same thing. He just hasn't learned the lesson whatsoever. And he's like, <laughs> still getting electric. When he trains to be a boxer uh, and he beats all his opponents by just standing there and letting them punch him until they get tired. That's another good one. Yeah, the boxer one I remember very specifically. That mm-hmm. really made me laugh. There's one as well where they go to a... Um... Uh, I think it's like a party at Mr. Burns' house, and he's trying to get the kids and Marge to not embarrass him and so on. And then Marge has a drink and ends up quite smashed uh, at this party and stuff. That that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, just brilliant stuff. Just brilliant stuff. Um, Steve continues with more TV and films and so on. Um, do we have any films, TV or sitcoms that have basically ruined our lives? Meaning we quote it on a daily basis. And Steve says for him, uh, Clockwork Orange, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, The Office, Extras, The Inbetweeners are all ones that tick that box for him. Um, the Inbetweeners, my wife and I quote things from on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, only Fools and Horses, there's moments sort of i suppose dull boyisms i guess that slip into my vocabulary on a on quite a regular basis um yeah there's, there's a few i guess magsy it's uh rt crowd phoenix yeah. darts uh max and paddy they're the the ones that or even sometimes even friday night dinner um i don't know if you've watched that but yeah. there's a there's a character who lives across the road on that he's uh called jim and he's just so quotable uh when he's like going shalom yeah that is or, brilliant or when he uh, drinks some of the that delicious jewish drinking water and all is his water with a shitload of salt in yeah he's brilliant <laughs> friends as well i suppose for us friends gets quoted a lot in our house just because we watched so much of it over and over again and it, it, my sister is the same so we end up just saying that but it's it's got to be the right moment it's like the whole thing like shouting pivot when he was moving the sofa i can't pick up a piece of furniture now without going to me to you or shouting pivot or both <laughs> you know um when i make something to eat if the kids sort of go oh who, who sandwiches this i will shout it like ross did and shout my sandwich so, so, so those sort of things have sort of creeped in as well um steve also says here that i've mentioned i'm a fan of kill switch engage um, and he's asking what our fave tunes are from them. Um, I'm going to have to Google because I have <laughs> um, the one, the wrestling tune. They did a wrestling tune, didn't they? Yes, they did. They did CM Punk's tune that we were talking yeah, about. That's, that's the one. Yeah, um, that's the one I like. Yeah. I, I, of I, all I, their songs, that's the one I like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love quite a lot of kill switch um the end of heartache album is an absolute storming record and it's probably the one that most people will refer to because it's you know quite got quite a few famous hits on it i guess for that genre um 
I've been quite fortunate enough to see Kill Switch live a few times. Um, one of the best memories I have, I, I was a big Howard Jones fan who, who was the, the vocalist for a while there. He left and the original vocalist came back. I saw them supporting Iron Maiden with um, Jesse, I believe his name is, the original vocalist. And then they actually had Howard Jones come back on stage with them and they both did a couple of tracks together, which was absolutely fantastic. Oh, both vo- I bet that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. But also, um, the new, well, I say new album, it's a couple of years old now, but the most recent Kill Switch album, which is called Atonement, I think is a little bit of a hidden gem because it doesn't get the the attention that maybe some of the earlier records did. And there's a track on there called I Am Broken 2. It's only like two, two and a half minutes long. It's quite a short one. But it kind of, for a long time, really resonated with me. Um, the lyrics and the sort of message coming across from that song. Uh, the whole album is really good. It's a really, really storming, great heavy metal record. But that one particular track is almost like the standout moment for me. But yeah, um, yeah, thanks for that, Steve. That's, that's a great question. And he actually follows up with another musical uh, question, Magsy. Musical guilty pleasures. Do we have any? He says for him, My Chemical Romance. Because I'm guess Steve maybe looks at them as a bit soft and a bit emo, potentially. Um, they're not my cup of tea, but I can understand why they could be a guilty pleasure for someone who's into the heavier side of music. Have you got any musical guilty pleasures, Max? Um, uh, I suppose people like Tenacious D. Um, I think that that's uh, someone who I'll go back and listen to quite a lot. Or there's a there's a comedy uh, singer called Stephen Lynch. Um, he's uh really really good really really funny um not exactly pc uh but certainly <laughs> um yeah it, it makes me laugh with his song so i'd say stephen lynch and, and tenacious d yeah fair enough um i've got a couple i suppose i'm, I'm very much into my old school rock and metal uh, you know the likes of megadeth metallica iron maiden motorhead wasp acds love all these bands a lot of people my uncle's another one he influenced me greatly into this sort of music when i told him i started listening to motley crew and poison the more hair bands and, and you know you look at the front cover for um look what the cat dragged in which is the first poison album released in 1986 my kids for a long time thought the band were women where they're done up with the makeup and the hairspray but they're all men so so the proper hard rockers of a certain yeah. era they're looked upon in a certain and it's not very heavy either it's basically pop music with guitars but i love i love that um but i suppose sort of cheesy 90s dance is a bit of a you know a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine i've got a playlist on spotify where it's all the likes of two unlimited and hadaway and stuff that used to play in the clubs when i'd go up time and when I i'm drunk that i could yeah. see that a bit of, a bit of culture beat yeah exactly culture beat or that sort of stuff you're basically when you know when when i'm drunk enough that tends to go on in the evenings um ace of bass is another one always been quite a fan of ace of bass doesn't really fit in with uh, my motorhead or megadeth collection i suppose so maybe it's maybe it's those but yeah thanks steve oh, some brilliant questions there mate really appreciate it um at good bad cop we have here uh gkbk on twitter um, as we are a little over halfway through the Euros, prediction for the final and winner. Oh, I mean, I'm ever the optimist. Uh, I think that this year is could well be England's year. Um, so I predict that England uh, will make it through. Um, who against? Uh, I've no idea yet. Uh, probably 
going to be someone like maybe Italy. Uh, but yeah, I think England are going to. It's coming home. I'm I'm quietly confident that it's coming home. For context to to everyone out there, we're recording this as always on a Monday evening. England play tomorrow, less than twenty four hours from our record mm-hmm. time. So we could be now sitting here saying, "Are oh, we thinking England are going to do it?" And they're going to be by Germany. <laughs> yeah, and by the time this show comes out on the Wednesday, you'll already know the result. So um, my my line of thought is that on the one side of the draw, I think the finalist from that side of the draw comes from the England Germany game. Mm-hmm. I think whoever wins the England Germany game tomorrow makes the final. The other side of the draw, you've got some very, very good teams there, haven't you? Um, Belgium are stuttering a touch, but I don't think you can ignore Lukaku's form. And if you've got a striker who's scoring goals in, in, in knockout football, you're looking good, I think. Um, they've also got injury problems, but they got some quality there. I it's think both great De Bruyne side. and Hazard were injured in the in the game. Yeah, yeah. Italy's a great shape. They got quality and experience in the back line they've got movement and goal scorers up top I think the final will be contested probably between Italy and whoever wins the England-Germany game and I kind of probably just literally looking at it from more of a patriotic standpoint than realistic I think England are going to win it <laughs> so they're going to get tumped tomorrow Mags <laughs> and for, for context uh Spain have just beaten Croatia 5-3 after extra time, and France are currently 1-0 down to Switzerland. Oh, bloody hell, the French, I forgot about them. Well, they're a non-factor now, because they're losing. Yeah, well, they've not lost, have they? They're just, you know, they're sort of, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's not golden goal, you don't concede and you're out. <laughs> but I know what you mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, the French have got to be fancied as well, aren't they, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, GKBK, we don't know. So, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, at Good Bad Wrestle, Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling Podcast. Um, he says, This is for you, Magsy. He says, He wants to know your reaction to James Conrad winning the World Disc Golf Championship over the weekend and the shot of him holding out from 250 foot to force a playoff on hole 18 in the final round. I've got no idea what any of that means. Okay, so uh, on the on a recent episode of Techers, uh, I chastised Graham for his uh, his newfound fascination with disc golf, which is essentially throwing a, thris- a frisbee around a golf course. Okay, uh, and instead of uh, uh, finishing the hole by putting the ball in a in a hole, you have to put the you have to throw the frisbee through a net. Um, so I watched this video that he put up of this uh, guy with the, uh, and the fact that this was the professional disc golf association championship. It's that's ridiculous. I mean, who is a professional frisbee player on a golf course? But that's by the by the shot. What he threw was, it was cool. It was uh, he. I think it was about two hundred and fifty yards. He threw it. Uh, he had to go around the dog leg of a of a of a golf hole. Uh, and he pulled it off with this frisbee and it went straight in the net. It absolutely looked phenomenal. It was a great, a great shot, but it's still throwing a fucking frisbee round a golf course. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen it, and I'm intrigued now. I, I'm gonna have to check this out. 
Oh, yeah. See if we can get some videos from uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop, or if you've got one that they've sent your mags, we'll attach it to the, the show's Twitter on Wednesday when this, this comes out so mm-hmm. everyone can have a little look at what we're talking about. But that does sound quite interesting to me. I um, mean, it, it, it looks good, but it's still throwing a frisbee around a golf course. It's It, it doesn't sound like very taxing. No, I suppose, but maybe that's a good thing. That sounds like a sport I could play with my... (laughs) A sport we could all be professionals in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, MGB Graham has a couple of questions here. Basically, all sort of hanging around the word lost or the theme of something being lost. Um, Has Chain Wrestling had or nearly had a lost episode? Uh, No. No, not that I can remember. And what's this? This will be 31, I believe. Um, we've always just recorded and it's it's off it goes. We've not had anything lost or damaged or anything go wrong. I suppose I the mean, only I thing... Mean, for con- I mean, just for a peek behind the curtain, Simon is the guy who does pretty much all the work behind the scenes for, for uh, chain wrestling. Um, but he uses a similar technique to me in, in terms of recording. Uh, he uses the, the, the inbuilt Skype recorder, but he also has a backup uh, called a, uh, a Molto. Uh, have you ever had to use that a Molto file? Uh, if uh, there's ever been an issue with the Skype recording, in all the times that I've podcasted, I think I've had to do it maybe three or four times. Uh, but have you ever had to use it for for this show? No, not for chain wrestling. No, okay. um, I've had to for SJP a couple of times. Um, and there's a show I've not lost, but it's going to require a lot of editing that I recorded many, many weeks ago, but I'm determined to not lose, um, that the, the, the Skype file is no good. The Almoto file is a bit up and down. It's going to take a bit of edits, but I'm determined to get it out, but no, I've not lost, um, not had to use it for chain wrestling. No. Um, the only, I suppose, lost bits, maybe, that come to mind would be when I went on a bit of a rant about Brad Shepard. Pimple! Pick alert! Oh, a teeny weeny. And I said some things that may have got me sued if you ever heard it. And when I played it back, I thought I'd better cut that out. Um, <laughs> cool majority- heads prevailed. Yeah, the, the majority of it stayed in. But there was one or two comments I made that I looked at and thought, yeah, I'm not proud of myself. So I'll take that out. But that's about it. Um... Do we have any stories of us being lost? Um, nothing spectacular, I suppose. I mean, there's obviously been times where I didn't have a clue where I were. Um, but, yeah, no, nothing really comical. More, I've had to trudge for a distance until I recognised somewhere I were and then, then kind of made my way home or made my way to where I was meant to be going Um after that but yeah nothing particularly hilarious uh but yeah i, I have been lost before yeah i had a i had a night out going going, going back to my late teens early 20s when i used to play football and so on i had a night out um and woke up the following day but but you know the standard thing was we'd have a night out somewhere and somebody one of the players or one of the players friends or girlfriends or there would be a house party somewhere that we would eventually all go to um on this occasion i woke up on the sofa in a house that i didn't recognize no one was there that I recognised. There was only the only person you know who was still there was effectively the person who lived there. I opened the curtains and I didn't have a damn clue where I was. And this was kind of pre-mobile phone time, so I'm or or at least you know mobile phone, so you didn't have maps on it and all that sort of thing. 
Um, I basically said thanks a lot to the person I saw, started and just started walking, trying to figure out where I was. Um, eventually, I ended up getting hold of my dad to say, right, I can see a sign for this particular street. My dad's a driving instructor, so he's traveling all over the place. He's also been a truck driver, so he's a, you know, and he, basically my dad's like, my dad is like a gray-haired, spectacled Google Maps. He kind of has everything in his head, for even for cities miles away from us. Mm-hmm. And I told him a few road signs I was near, um, and then there was a pub I saw, so I named the pub, and he told me where I was, and it worked out that I was, I think he said I was roughly 22 miles from home. Um, and he had to come pick me up because I had no idea where I was or how I was getting home, and that was like, I wasn't even a kid. I was, I was a grown man, you know, <laughs> so that was embarrassing. Um, I got on the wrong bus on my first day at senior school because they changed the number. I was told, get the 35, that drops us off right outside my house. It turns out they changed it to the 37 during the summer break. I got on, <laughs> I got on the 35 and I was only not, I was not far from my house at all. It's just another part of Gloucester. It was not far at all, but to a kid in his first day at senior school, um, not knowing where I was, um, I was mortified and I basically got off the bus and cried. Oh, cried and cried and cried cause I was lost. So yeah, that wasn't very good. Um, Graham continues. Did we watch the show Lost? Yes, I loved it. Ending with shite, Magsy. <laughs> I remember watching the first season, um, and not much after that. Um, so yeah, it lost me after the first season. Yeah, okay. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, and it's one of those things of that. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a glutton for punishment. Sometimes I'll start watching something. I'll watch a couple of episodes. And then even if I'm not enjoying it, I feel like I've got to finish it because it'll bug me if it gets good. Yeah. So I uh, stuck with Lost, and it was good. I enjoyed it, but the ending was toss, wasn't it? Was that with the... It was all a dream? Is it one of those kind of endings? No, I'm not... Again, I watched Lost probably 10 years after it finished, so I'm not okay. going to chuck out a spoiler now in case there's other people in my in, in my situation. But, yes, if you Google what it is, it's, it's kind of just... A, it's, I say it's shite it's more of a case of the episode finished and the wife laughed because she knew what was coming. And I just kind of sat there and went, huh? Okay. It was kind of, I think, I think sometimes with programs like with the likes of lost, they don't have an end game. They don't have a, a, an ending start. And then when they keep getting renewed for season after season, uh, you get all these kind of like loose threads, uh, that, that just never get, never get all kind of wrapped up in a neat ball, I suppose. And then when you do eventually have to come to an end, it it doesn't always make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Make makes sense. Um, and finally, we have something from UTT Rob again, that sort of comes a little bit from MGB Graham too. Okay. Um, after Rob's, question about Dennis Waterman versus Cody Rhodes in a fight for the ages at some random bar earlier on. Graham asked, did Dennis write his own entrance music or has little Britain just corrupted him? Um, of course, Dennis Waterman's famous for write, writing a lot of his own themes, you know, like, like they used to sound little Britain, um, his own, uh, TV show themes. Write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. No, 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 they, they, they just want you to be in here. <laughs> Dennis? So Rob's asked the question, leads to another great Minder question, he says. Aside from Minder, which was the best theme tune Dennis Waterman wrote and sang? And I can't actually think of that many. I've, on the app, was that, that was one, wasn't it? So he didn't actually write 
uh, I could be so good for you now, just so you know. Okay. by his wife well his, his then wife uh, it was called Pr- Patricia and uh, a, uh, an actual songwriter called uh, Gerard Kenny uh, but yeah um, so he actually didn't write the theme tune he did sing the theme tune but he, he didn't uh, he didn't write that one Little Britain wasn't it it was always like I write the theme tune I sing yeah. the theme tune exactly well, I think he, he had a couple of albums out, like two or three albums uh, that, that didn't do too bad. I think he was massive in, in Australia more particularly than, than he was in, in the UK. Oh, we should get our mate Chris Mangle then to let us know about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, okay. Uh, the, only other, the only other Dennis Waterman song one I can think of really is, is On The App. That was Dennis Waterman, wasn't it, in that programme? Um, I believe so. Um, I just remember the end of the song, and it's I just remember him. I think it must be him going, We're on the up at the end. Now, that may be completely wrong and out of tune, I don't know, but that's kind of what's in my head. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds right. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you probably are right there, but I don't remember the song to be fair. No, okay, yeah, so there we go. Well, that, that concludes it then, Mags, unless there's any that I've missed that you've seen. Um, I think you missed one from Graham. Okay. Um, Graham asked, uh, where does the Katy Perry song Lost rank oh, in, yeah. in her discography? Yeah, um, I've got no idea because I, I know who Katy Perry is, but I couldn't tell you a song of hers. I've got no clue at all. In I will say, in my mind, where it ranks is roughly in the middle. Um, but I... <laughs> what a what a guess. Uh, well, I, from from what I'm, I mean, I don't know this song, but from what I've uh, researched, this is one of her most kind of like uh, personal uh, songs. Uh, it's one that she uh, she wrote about moving to LA uh, and feeling kind of like not part of the scene. Um, I said apparently it's one of her favorite songs to. Uh, to actually perform live, but n- not knowing the song, I can't really rank it without listening to it. But Katy Perry has done some uh, has done some sneaky little banger tunes. To be fair, I mean, "I Kissed a Girl" is a uh, a cracking tune. Oh, wow, California California Girls is a good song. Um, uh, Firework is a, another great one. Uh, oh, Dark Horse, Dark Horse is a good one. Uh, so below them, I'd rank it. Okay, I know. Um, I kissed a girl. You'll you will know more Katy Perry songs than you realise. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ah, so there we go then. That concludes our sort of ask us anything. I suppose, Magsy mate. I had a, I had a great yeah, time. Yeah, that was a blast. We should have to do it again. That was that was fun. Yeah. We we may keep this uh, gimmick for ourselves. Bang bang. Um, yeah. So suck on that. <laughs>
ah there we go but yeah thank you so much to everyone for messaging in to the show it's it's hugely appreciated uh again you can contact us on instagram facebook and twitter at chain underscore wrestling on all three it's hugely appreciated everybody um brilliant stuff great stuff and i suppose all that's left now magazine is for us to actually talk a bit of wrestling (laughs) only the best part of two hours in uh let's do it NWA, WCW enhancement talent, Randy Hogan, baby. Being in the ring with the Road Warriors, Vader, Abdul the Butcher, Midnight Express and all them guys. Let me tell you, it was dang rough. But not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cyan Mags and chain wrestling, brother, runs wild on you? Okie doke. Um, my <laughs> selection won the poll this week, which surprised me, to be honest, because I thought, mm-hmm. looking at the two choices, I thought Eddie and Randy Orton was going to win. Well, wrestling Twitter, be wrestling Twitter, and want to put us through the ringer yet again. So thanks for this. Although, saying that, it was actually a cracking match. Oh, it's a banger, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this show is this show's famous for... The whole Robocop nonsense. We're talking um, Capital Combat 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, promoted by WCW. Um, from Washington. Uh, what, what, what were we talking? May, I think it was, 1990, wasn't it? Um, it was. Um, yeah, I, I think May the 19th. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's it's a great card. I mean, it's remembered for all the Robocop nonsense, but it's actually a really good event. Mm-hmm. You've got some some great matches on there. Uh, just have a quick run through through the cards. You've got a six-man to open with mm-hmm. the likes of the Road Warriors. Uh, Norman the Lunatic. Do you remember him, Magsy? Bloody hell. I do. Cactus Jack was in it as well. Bam, yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow, yeah. Kevin Sullivan, yeah. Um, the second match, you had Johnny Ace, who is John Laurinaitis, uh, uh, wrestling Undertaker, Mean Mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Mean Mark, the Undertaker, yeah. And that was obviously what we used to, to link to this this show um you've got the slow and swap team on the sh- on the card um the mid obviously the midnight express is what we're looking at you have the rock and roll express as well with the three birds uh doom versus the steiner brothers and it's a world tag team match and a steel cage contest to close um it's a really really good show i, I, I could have picked any match from this shirt card i think I mean, and been quite happy could, with it well i mean paul ellering versus teddy long was a, a dud oh yeah obviously. yeah wouldn't that. <laughs> <laughs> but what we went with was the Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton and Stanley facing Brian Pillman and Tom Zenk, or the Z-Man, as he was referred to at this time. Uh, Pillman and Zenk were the NWA United States Tag Team Champions at this point. Yeah. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. I mean, this is right up my street anyway. This kind of era of WCW is my favorite. I love it. So it's great watching this stuff. But 
I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. Magsy, what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, tag team wrestling, uh, especially from around this era, was my bread and butter. Uh, I was always a huge fan of guys like the uh, the Legion of Doom. Um, so seeing the, the the teams that were involved in this, I mean, the Midnight Access uh, uh uh, historically one of the best tag teams that have ever entered the ring anyway and then you've got the likes of uh, Pillman who um, if he if he uh, his laugh wasn't cut so short and he wasn't taken from us uh, uh, as early as he was could have uh, arguably been one of the greatest uh, wrestlers in, in, in history and uh, Tom Zenk is always he's not someone who I saw a lot of but uh, he's always thought of uh, really well in, in, in the wrestling sphere so yeah the, it, it, this had all the, the elements that I enjoyed as a, as a young wrestling fan uh, this show I've never ever seen before, I've seen obviously the the, the Robocop shenanigans uh, <laughs> but I've never I've never ever seen this match uh, but yeah from watching it it, were, it flew back, it was a great match to watch yeah yeah it was again i i loved it i loved it um the midnight express look amazing when they're coming out mm-hmm. in a really cheesy crazy 90s way they've got these robes they've got the mullets everything about them just just brilliant and it's obviously this is 1990 but they scream you know great 80s tag team here mm-hmm. um zenk and pillman when they come out, they have possibly the smallest amount of pyro I've ever seen for somebody who has pyro. <laughs> I mean, it was it was small enough to to challenge the the botched end of the uh, of of the match on AEW. So yeah. it, it, it was that poor, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it and, they, and they were and they were the incoming champions as well. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of that, the belts they wore, I love these title belts, with the USA on the front, written each letter written in a different colour. I think the straps are a red or a dark red colour. Oh, they look they look fantastic. Um, yeah, really classy. Yeah, definitely. Something here that I'd actually forgotten about that was part of this show is that to stop his interference, the Midnight Express manager, Jim Cornette, uh, gets locked in a cage at ringside, which we'll come to again in a bit after the match. But yeah, he's well, locked in the cage. I totally well, forgot about it, Max. That um, reading into because obviously we we are going to uh, chat about the whole reason behind this pay per view, um, but that uh, stipulation was added because of what we're going to talk about later on. Um, when I was uh, uh, doing a bit of research, I, I, I saw an interview that was done with Jim himself, and he, he mentioned the fact that uh, the only the only reason why he was locked in that cage was so the cage was there for it to be used later on. Oh, look at that. Eh? Two things stand out from that. How in-depth you've done your research and how little I've done. <laughs> And also, WCW sort of showing a bit of, you know, a bit of planning there, which is something that that company's not normally notorious for. Um, (laughs) We start with um, basically sort of shenanigans, I guess, um, because Cornette's not going to get in the cage. The the Midnight Express end up taking a couple of bumps on the outside. And then the referee floors Cornette. (laughs) This was... This was... A brilliant way to start this match. It actually had me laughing out loud when uh, Cornet 
Point blank refuses, and I, I think the referee is Randy Anderson. Um, he's uh, saying, no, you've got to get in that cage. So Cornet comes out of the ring and, and stands where he would normally stand at ringside, trying to coach the team. Uh, and then he gets back in the ring, and Randy Anderson just clotheslines the shit out of him. It's absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Uh, Randy Anderson, you are a god, sir. Damn near took his head off, didn't he? It was, <laughs> it was, it was such a good close line. <laughs> this leads to uh, Pillman and Zenk putting Cornet in the cage themselves. So the crowd are well into this straight away. They've started the match off on a, on a really positive note and the crowd are super involved because obviously everyone hates Jim Cornet anyway. Um, we get lots of drop kicks and then we get a real cool sort of dual monkey flip spot where they, they both are in a corner with a member of the Midnight Express, they being Pillman and Zenk apologies, and, and they both do a monkey flip out with their with their relevant uh, opponent. Pillman comes over the top rope with a big clothesline to both of them. And I'm just thinking at this time, Pillman's amazing, isn't he? If a 1990... He's, he's flipping out of a move Bobby Eaton was trying to do and landing on his feet. He's hitting these really high drop kicks. Just, he's just incredible, isn't he, Max? I think both him and Tom Zeng were um, were fundamentally super talented. I mean, we've covered a Bobby Eaton match before uh, on on chain wrestling, and that guy is 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 like butter in the ring. But to be able to keep pace with him. Um, that just shows how good of wrestlers uh, Tom Zenk and, and uh, Brian Pillman were. They were. It was so good to watch. Uh, really, just genuinely old school style wrestling. Uh, really hard drop kicks. The arm drags were were uh, were absolutely on point. There's a little kind of like a, a segment where um, Brian Pillman bridges out of a pin. Uh, and then Bobby uh, tries to put his pressure, his weight on to, to pressure uh, uh, the shoulders down, and his um, brain's able to, to uh, bridge out of that. And then he, uh, Bobby goes to slam his weight fully down, and, and um, uh, brain is able to use that to, to essentially monkey flip out. And all this is happening whilst him and, and Bobby uh, essentially clasped hand to, together, and it's it's so smooth. It's just. It's jaw-droppingly good, uh, really talented, just old-school wrestling, which is something that, that I absolutely grew up, uh, grew up on. Uh, there's no kind of um, flips for the sake of flips. There's no uh, kind of like stalling to wait for your uh, opponents to do something so you can catch them. It's all, every move means something, and it's there for a reason. It's so, so good. It, to me, it's... It's everything that pro wrestling should, well, not should be, everything that I want from pro wrestling then, shall we say, because <laughs> obviously people like different things. To me, it looks enough like a genuine sporting contest for me to get lost in it. Yeah. But it's also enough of, I suppose, the entertainment side to keep me well, for want of a better term, just keep me entertained. It's it's so so many things are done so so well. I mean, you mentioned the arm drags, Mags, and there's one where uh, the Z Man is um, led on the floor, led on the mat, and Stan Lane from a standing position just goes to just drop an axe handle down to him, not off the ropes or anything, just from an ordinary standing position, and and Tom Zenk kind of half moves out of the way, and as Stan Lane misses this move and then stands back up. 
he catches him and gives him an arm drag as he's on his way back up. And it's just, in theory, it's an axe handle missed followed by an arm drag, yeah. which I imagine you could give to any the majority of pro wrestlers and say, do this and they'd be able to do it because uh, these guys are obviously all very talented, you know, but this, it, it just looks, even though it's in theory, I suppose, relatively simple, they make it look just fantastic. It's so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. It's so, the smoothness. I mean, this is a 20 minute match and I didn't spot a single botch or a single miss uh normally that's things that that i'm kind of almost like predisposition to look for like look for oh yeah that went a little bit wayward or oops that could have gone better this was this was silky smooth and even the times when uh there's breaks in in the action and the the wrestlers go to the outside it, it all makes sense i mean there's there's points where uh, uh the midnight's go and speak with uh with uh Cornet, it, it all just absolutely makes sense. It was such a well done match and for me the twenty minutes went went by so so quickly. Uh really enjoyed it. I mean Bobby Eaton was just was so crisp I and mean, when he does the elbows off the top rope and, and the Alabama jam, oh my god, so so good. Yeah, yeah, that's something I've not made note of as well actually is his top rope leg drop and his his top rope elbow and, and whatnot just I mean, the top rope elbow is probably the biggest compliment I can give to it is it's as good as Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. It just looked so good. Um, Jim Ross as well on commentary is calling move after move after move by name. He's not a cliche machine or he's not shouting things that you, you can expect Vince McMahon wanting him to shout. He's actually calling the match mm-hmm. as, a, a, as a commentator, as a sports broadcaster. And it just goes to show how great Jim Ross I don't want to say was because that's harsh. I'm a big Jim Ross fan, but at this time, how brilliant the guy is. And this was him approaching his peak mm. for me. Uh, like I said, he, he was, uh, he added to the action, uh, his, his passion. And uh, I've seen interviews with him before where he, uh, he says he doesn't like to know who the winners are because he likes to, um, to be able to react to it naturally. And you could tell that with the way he is, is so energetic with his commentary. It's, uh, this is when he just before he started moving over to the the uh, the WWF, um, and he's, we get the bag out that we all know and love. But this was Jim at his uh, it's, he's approaching that that era of, of how great a commentator he really was. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, one little thing for me. And it's not an issue at all, but it's just something that did stand out. And I think, well, you wouldn't see that now. Um, is the, the cameraman? He's obviously on the apron and trying to get shots and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd want them to kind of fade into the background, don't you? So they can't be seen, or they're kind of more inconspicuous. So, so everyone in WWE kind of wears very sort of dark, bland colours to blend in with the the, the crowd barriers and so on, and it's shot in a way to try and avoid catching them. This cameraman's wearing a shell suit, which, first of all, is fantastic, because <laughs> it is 1990 after all. But it's got massive, great lime green patches on it. So he stands out more than the Midnight Express in certain moments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was the 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 era of bright, loud colours. I mean... The, the the sting spot later on uh, that we'll we'll talk about the guys wearing MC Hammer parachute pants so yeah. 
uh, I can forgive the the cameraman that, but yeah, it it, it was like very bold and very brat. It was indeed. It was indeed. Um, it just, I just really, really enjoyed it, Maxi, and I knew it was going to be good because I remember watching this show a while back and remembering that the whole show I enjoyed. But the Robocop is things what people remember. So I knew I was going to enjoy it. But I didn't realize I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. It was so, so good. Pillman takes two separate bumps um, on the crowd barrier on the outside, which kind of allows the the bad guys, the Midnight Express, to take control. And one of them busts him open as well. Both of those bumps, I mean, the one he takes across his chest sort of throat area, looked brutal, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and and it just goes to show how good of a worker that that Pillman was. Um, he did the amazing uh, drop kicks in the ring, but was still able to do the more um, what you would call back then hardcore. You've also got to remember that this was in the era of Jim Hurd, who were who was trying to kind of like uh, clamp down on on some of the more um, shall we say. Uh, shenanigans of wrestling. I mean, this was at the point where it was illegal to throw somebody over the top rope and stuff like that. Um, so for for uh, Brian to flaunt those rules, I suppose, uh, was kind of a bit of a him doing a bit of an fu to to Jim Hurd. Yeah, I think that might have been the top rope thing was an NWA rule, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So this was the time period for a little while where you had one set of rules if it was a WCW match, and then another set of rules if it was an NWA match. Oh, okay. but then, and then Jim Hurd kind of just so, sort of copied what the NWA was doing anyway. I may have that completely wrong, but I think that, that kind of sits out to me that there was different rules for different title matches around this time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just just awesome stuff. And, and with, with this night, we're sort of coming to the, to the finish, the end, the end of the contest. You, you have Pillman, who's in the ring for probably the uh, the last third of the match, taking a great deal of punishment, mm-hmm. kicking out, kicking out. The crowd are really into this. Um, looking just superb, all of them, just looking brilliant. Cornette going crazy in the cage. Um, well, eventually, sorry, go I on. mean, going crazy to a point, uh, and I'll touch upon why uh, in a little while, but he, <laughs> yeah. was, he was quite muted. Uh, for people who know... Jim Cornette and his uh, his style as a manager in that cage, he was actually quite muted. So, uh, but there is a particular reason why. Uh, but we will get to that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, eventually, the the tag is made. The hot tag is made. So the crowd go mad for for the Z Man Tom Zenk. Um, and this frustrated me a touch because you think how much punishment. Pillman took. I mean, he even kicks out of the rocket launcher, which is one mm-hmm. of the Midnight Express's most prominent moves. Yep. Tom Zenk tags in. That's a little bit of a scuffle. Um, the non-legal man, Stan Lane, gives him a kick in the back of the head. He gets rolled up for the pin. They've lost their titles. If, yep. I was Pill- if I was Brian Pillman, I'd be fucking fuming. You absolutely would, especially when you took eight minutes of 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 non-stop punishment and, and all it took to, uh, for, for Zenk to lose was, uh, an insecurity to the back of the head, I suppose. And in, in, on the, on the actual replay, uh, it shows that he actually makes contact with the shoulders, mm. uh, for, for him them to roll him up. And a, a, also the pin was very much near the rope. So it, Tom could have easily reached for the ropes and, and got it without having to really, 
put much effort in. But yeah, he's uh, Tom Zink really dropped the ball. Um, I bet Pillman was not happy with him afterwards. No, no. And then everyone's kind of, you know, scurried off very quickly, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. of what's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just WCW all over. I love it so much. Um, but basically, we're getting told Sting and Robocop are going to come to the ring. Sting is out injured at this time. Yeah. Um, so, we- uh, before we get into that, let's let's just do a little bit of history, I reckon. Um, so, Sting was injured, I think, February of 1990. Uh, uh, I think it was at one of the Clash of Champions, because he was being essentially tagged for a world title run. Yeah, he was gonna he was gonna win the world title, and this was his big push. Yeah, um, so uh, WCW had to kind of like uh, quickly change tack, uh, and then we're also coming off the back of WWF having their biggest event in history with uh, WrestleMania six and Hogan versus Warrior, uh, massive uh, massive bars, uh, both huge stars. And uh, Jim Hurd, uh, his kind of approach to wrestling was wasn't to uh, kind of placate the the NWA WCW fans. It was more to watch what was happening in New York and try and, and emulate that, which is was driving away his his natural fan base of, of WCW fans. Um, so his idea or WCW's idea was to to try and go a little bit more mainstream. And uh, they they did that by uh, involving uh, Robocop, which was uh, mm. for for people who who aren't aware, the the original Robocop film came out in about 1987, I think. Uh, but the sequel, Robocop Two, was due to come out in uh, the summer of 1990. So this show was essentially uh, put together to build towards Robocop and on all the, the promotional posters and, and on the, the video case, it, it says, look out for Robocop 2 in your cinemas coming soon. So it was all, uh, it was a big kind of pro- like cross-brand promotion. Um, the issue was that the Robocop you see on the film is exactly that. It's a film. When it comes to being live, there's a lot of problems with having... Uh, a, a, a human being in that Robocop costume. So I, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I read a, a couple of Jim uh, Corner interviews and he uh, spoke uh, a little bit about the Robocop. And uh, essentially there, there was a lot of caveats to what they could actually use Robocop for. So um, because of the, the weight and the, uh, the, the center of gravity of this the, of this suit, uh, Robocop couldn't have any kind of physical interaction with anybody. Uh, <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't go uh, up or downstairs. Um, if the if anything happened where the character fell over, um, it would be impossible to for him to stand up. He'd need obviously people to help him stand up. Um, so what they could actually use him for was incredibly limited. Uh, so they they came up with this idea of the cage um, of Sting being locked in the cage by the four horsemen and Robocop essentially coming to his rescue. So that was why the cage was involved in in the uh, the Midnight Express match. So the cage was there for Robocop to use afterwards, and that's why Jimmy's 
is quite muted in the cage because it's been gimmicked. So obviously the the, the human in the in the costume, which was actually uh, the actor uh, Peter Weller. Um, there was a lot of rumours that it wasn't, but according to Jim uh, Cornet, it was actually the the actor who, who played Robocop. The 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 cage was gimmicked so that it could bend the bars. So essentially, they were they were made of of foam, so they they bent quite <laughs> easily. But it meant that Jim or whoever was using uh, interacting with the cage couldn't touch those bars because it would give the game away a little bit earlier and it's actually when they do when they focus on Jim in the cage you can see the points where the uh, the hinges of the cage are kind of coming away um, because they were obviously gimmick for for uh, Robocop to come in rip the cage doors off as if like they, they, it, it's, it's super strength when really it was very much a, an incredibly gimmicked cage so robocop uh sting comes out um he's attacked by the four horsemen um he's thrown into this cage and uh slow walking down to the cage is uh oh my word is peter weller in this uh robocop costume he grabs hold of these two bars which bend like paper in his in his grip uh he goes to force the the uh, cage door off the hinges, but the the it actually opens while through there, so he could have just literally swung it open. But he rips it off and throws it down. Uh, that terrifies the four horsemen who escape through the crowd, and uh, Sting and uh, Robocop go to the back. Uh, so essentially, this whole pay per view was built around this two minute appearance of Robocop, which. It made sense because, uh, as one of the somebody on on I forget the name, uh, apologies, but but they said it may it it was a huge deal for WCW. This got a lot of eyes on the product because Robocop was was massive at the time. Uh, so whilst we laugh at it now, back then it 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 was a big thing for WCW to be involved in. So anyway, we have uh, Robocop making his way back with Sting. And uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but I certainly did. There's a part where um, the one of the panels on Robocop's leg starts essentially coming away, and it's, you yeah. can see it flapping <laughs> about. Uh, and then there's a little bit where uh, he almost stumbles and falls over, uh, and he looks down and he's like, I'm glad I didn't just fall then because I weren't getting back up. Uh, but... I can see this being cool in, to watch live in 1990. Right, as of now, it's ridiculous. And I think uh, the guys who, who did the, the website WrestleCrap have said this was one of their biggest inspirations to to create WrestleCrap because it was so ridiculous. But yeah, Robocop was the star of of a wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah, it was. it's ridiculous. There's so much that's, that's bad about this. <laughs> Robocop... Obviously, Sting's getting jumped by the horseman, as you say, Magazine, and, and Sting's put in the cage. Now, in wrestling, you would expect people to at least break into a jog to get down to help. You know, obviously, some of these guys are, are massive, muscular men in wrestling, so they don't they don't run, run, if you know what I mean. But seeing Robocop literally at full pace, it was like I mean, he, he's not stopping a kid shoplifting a Mars bar, mate. Do you know what I mean? He's he's, he's got no zip to him at all, has he? He's just like shuffling down 
And the big thing as well is, again, like you said, in, in the film, RoboCop is RoboCop in the film. Here, he's RoboCop on a live presentation. Yeah. He's smaller than everybody, I think, apart from Ole Anderson. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so straight away, that kind of bursts a bit of the illusion. It's the there. same hat as Stink. Is a, is they, they literally are art to art. Yeah. Um, when he grabs the right, the, the, the gate, the, the, the front of the cage... He starts bending the bars, so to speak. Um, and I'll just, I look at it and I think, oh, mate, just slow down a touch, make it look a little bit more dramatic. And then he goes, but it's almost like he moves these bars and then the door just falls. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So it's not like he's, it's not like he's bent the bars and then ripped the door off as, as the commentators tried to sell it to you. It's just where he's bent the bars or moved to the foam, um, where he's bent the bars, the door's just fallen off into his hands. Oh, it was so bad. And then you got you got the Horseman trio down there of Sid Vicious, Oli, and Aaron Anderson selling it like this is the, the, the scariest thing they've ever seen. They're mortified by this. And Sid is just... For some reason, Sid's in a tux. I don't quite understand what's going yeah. on there. There's nobody else is. <laughs> he, he really stood out as well because Oli was there in pants and, and, and suspenders. Yeah, braces. Uh, so while Sid was was dressed up to the nines is beyond me. <laughs> I, and Aaron is obviously like he's, he's wearing like a, a yellow shirt. Like, Aaron just looks cool all the time, no matter what. Yeah. Flair later on cuts a promo and he's wearing like a polo shirt and, and it, you know he's got the title belt there and so on. I like the idea of the horsemen all going, yeah, yeah, we're all wearing our tuxes to this event. We're all because we're, we're, we're all turning up together. And then when Sid goes off to the toilet, they're all giggling to themselves like a mug, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then they turn up, and Sid's like really cross because he's been stitched up by his mates or something. Yeah, kind of uh, like the uh, the recent um, um, Raw episode where they had a lot of legends, and there was yeah. only um, there was only Godfather who turned up actually in gimmick. And everyone else was just like in in, in casuals. Uh, so yeah, they've 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 done sit up like a kipper. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's just comedy, man. It's, and there's actually a moment earlier on in the show where they've got somebody backstage outside Sting's dressing room, and he explains why Robocop is there. Sully, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, Gordon Sully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he actually explains why 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 Robocop is there with Sting. And apparently, <laughs> Sting wanted Robocop there. Because he doesn't trust the four horsemen and he wants Robocop to protect all the little stingers. Now, the little stingers are obviously the, the child fans of Sting. So that makes me think what does Sting think the horsemen are up to? The fact that he's got to bring in Robocop to protect the children. Well, what's going on? Are they like, are they going around with some sort of van and big nets just gathering at random kids? You know, Sid, <laughs> Sid Vicious hanging around at a playground with a big net or and a bag of sweets or something. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what does Sting think's going on here? You know. But then, seeing how Robocop moved, even the 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 little stingers could outpace him. Yeah. So how is he meant to protect anybody? Yeah, I think Sting's got his faith in all the wrong places, mate. Correct. Correct. But there we go. Uh, again, I, I highly recommend anybody goes and watches this pay per view. There is some absolute gold, some brilliant yeah, wrestling there. The, there the main is. event is superb with Luger and Flair in a cage. This tag match is great. Just so much on there. I mean, the the Steiners wrestling Doom is awesome. There's so much good uh, on this I show. Think, I think there's a uh, Rock and Roll versus Three Birds, which is a banger. 
Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. But obviously, then you get this silliness as well, which is worth a watch as well, just because it's so silly. Yeah. Um, Magsy, we are we are obviously rating the match, not the event. So, literally, just the Express versus Z Man, Z Man, sorry, and Pillman. Uh, what do you reckon, mate? Out of ten, what what are you going for? Yeah, this was a match I've never, like I said, I've never seen it before, but it was certainly in my wheelhouse, the kind of thing that I would happily eat up all day long. I thought that uh, even though it went 20 minutes, it went like a breeze, so it, it didn't kind of like outstate its welcome. The in-ring work is phenomenal. Um, the the end is like, uh, I agree with you a little bit, that it was a bit, um, you would have been a bit miffed if you were Brian Pillman. I thought that <laughs> yeah. maybe could have been worked a little bit better. But all in all, this was a, a really good match. So I'm I'm happy giving this uh, an eight. Yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. Um, I am going a smidge higher with an eight and a half. Um, this is... This is my wheelhouse, man. This, you know, late 80s, early 90s WCW. I bloody love it. I could watch this stuff all day, every day. Um, and this was just absolute gold for me. So I, I've got 8.5 written down here, bud. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, okie doke. So where shall we go to next? Okay. Maxie, do you want to go first or second, bud? No, I'll go first. Okay. Um, so this whole event revolved around um, uh, Robocop uh, and the whole point of there being a cage was because of the spot with Robocop. Um, but it's not the only time that these kind of small cages are used to uh, to keep um, a, a manager or a valet or um, a tag team partner from causing shenanigans in a match. Uh, it's been a, a, a well-used trope. Uh, and yeah. Once I saw this cage, uh, it instantly made me think of one particular match where uh, I thought that the, the the kind of shark cage was used to great effect. So I'm going for that. Uh, the link is the cage, and I'm going to Unforgiven uh, 1998, I think it was, um, and it was Triple H taking on Owen Hart for the European title and the person who was in the, the shark cage, and I think the cage was actually above the ring, was China. So I'm going to go off with Triple H versus Owen Hart from uh, Unforgiven 1998. Ah, okay. I don't think... No, I must have seen that, but it doesn't ring a bell. Maybe I haven't seen that. It was... Uh, the, the main event was... Uh, dude love beating Stone Cold Steve Austin for the title. Uh, well, he didn't win the title, uh, and then it had the Inferno match between Undertaker and Kane. Right. Okay. See those I mean, those I remember. This the whole match. card. The whole card is an, is an absolute just stacked. Uh, the the you open with a six man with Farouk, Shamrock, and Blackman against the Nation. Um, you've got the Triple H and Owen Hart match. Uh, you've got the new Midnight Express against the Rock and Roll Express, uh, which I think was for the end of title. You've got Luna versus Sable in an evening gown match. And you've got the New Age Outlaws uh, against uh, LOD 2000. So it's a, a, a banger of a card. 
Yeah, it does sound great, actually. That sounds really good. Yeah, great shape, Magsy. Great shape. That's a really good, uh, really good option for the pole bird. Um, what I would like to do is put something quite historic up against it. Okay. Um, I am going to go down the card here at Capital Combat. And the opener, as we mentioned earlier, is the six-man tag that involves Cactus Jack, the Road Warriors, and so on. Um, it also involves Kevin Sullivan in a tag match. So I'm going to use Kevin Sullivan as the link to jump to another pay-per-view where Kevin Sullivan is in a tag match. But look at the main event from that show. Okay, so the link is Sullivan in a tag match, Capital Combat 90, Sullivan in a tag match, in this pay-per-view I'm going to, but the main event of the show is where I want to go. Um, Chain Wrestling comes out on a Wednesday every week, as everyone, I'm sure, is fully aware of. Next Wednesday is the 7th of July. Mm -hmm. That's the 25th anniversary to the day of Bash at the Beach 1996, when we had the Outsiders versus, I suppose, for want of a better term, Team WCW. Yes. And red and yellow Hogan strode to the ring, dropped the leg on Randy Savage, and changed wrestling forever. Um, I'm not going to lie, it's probably not as great a match to watch as the potential Triple H versus Owen one from an in-ring standpoint. However, it would be uh, it would be bad of me, I feel, as big a WCW fan as I am seeing that we have an episode released on the 25th anniversary to the day of this historic moment where the NWO is formed to not try and link to that show somehow. So that's what I'd like to do, Magsy. I'd like to put, using Kevin Sullivan as the link in a tag match on this show and a tag match on that show, I'd like to go to Bash at the Beach 1996. Who is the third man, it turns out to be Hulk Hogan, joining the NWO, joining the Outsiders, and kicking off potentially the greatest period in wrestling history. That is what I would like to go with, my friend. That is a banging shout. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually disappointed I missed that because that would have been a cracking link. Uh, but yeah, um, I would be, I would be happy to, to rewatch that. Proper big bit of moment, a big moment in history. I feel it changed so much. Like you said, it, not a, not the the greatest match of all time, but certainly one of the greatest moments of of uh, of wrestling history. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So there you go. There is the poll for next week. We have the match at Unforgiven 1998, Triple H versus Owen Hart. Two fantastic performers there with China in a shark cage above the ring. Or we have the Outsiders versus Luger, Sting, and Macho Man, the main event from Bash at the Beach. Who's the third man? Hercomes Hogan. Um, you fans can stick it, brother, all those kind of shenanigans there. The poll will be up as normal within an hour to a day of this episode being released. Um, yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of it, Magsy, for us, isn't it? Um, I've had a, I've had a great time as always. Highlight of my week, this is mate. I've had a great time. Uh, all the all the questions from the listeners and whatnot. Um, brilliant stuff. You got anything else was, to add, Magsy? Yeah. Uh, like we've said on this show time and time again, you you guys listening uh, make this show. It wouldn't be half the show it it it, 
it is without your input and uh, you bring it every single week and we are always going to be appreciative of that so thank you very very much yeah i i second that 100 percent um the poll I forgot to mention will obviously be up on our Twitter account, which is at chain underscore wrestling. But you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chain underscore wrestling on all of those. Magsy, whereabouts can people find you, my friend? So you can find me on social media at Podfather Mags. Uh, you can find links to all the content that I'm involved in, and uh, certainly keep your eyes on my Twitter for the uh, for some interesting news in the upcoming weeks. Always oh, exciting. Um, <laughs> you can find me at SJP Words. And again, most importantly, you can find the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at chain underscore wrestling. The poll is always on the Twitter account, but you can also contact us via the other platforms when it comes to our non wrestling topics and so on. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for the interactions, the retweets, the votes, and so on. Keep it up. We're loving it. I hope you're loving it. Um, I'm off now to lend a hand to a sexually frustrated crab. Because <laughs> they can't do it themselves, you see. Maxie, I'll speak to you next week, bud. <laughs> I'm off to punt a hundred duck sad uh, <laughs> <size> horses. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Till after that. Excuse me. I have to go. Somewhere there is a crime happening. But dead, you stupid slag! Don't count on it, job. Right, I'll uh, I'll count us down, mate, and, and we'll get off, I suppose. Let's do it. Do you ever hear that noise? What noise? Whenever I say I'll count us down, and we'll, and we'll get going, then you're like, yeah, okay, let's go for it, right? As always, because I've literally just had a bit of my drink. My throat always goes. <laughs> is that that might be like a nervous tick that you are yeah, knowing, knowing that you're going to record <laughs> it feels like i'm gonna do a big burp but it never actually happens and it just sort of goes in the back of my throat and i'm like but it, but it happens every week like every single week <laughs> yeah. oh dear dear dear